The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I am the Senior Assistant Minister and Executive Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister, and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder I'm in the midst of a series where I am interviewing people who I believe are making a positive impact in the world, people that you need to know about, change agents, transformation agents. We need more people who are saying yes to the spirit and what spirit is seeking to do through humanity. And I have a great guest on today, someone I met last year at Panorama of Truth, and we fell madly in love with each other. So uh, without further ado, uh, I have on the line the Reverend Deborah L. Johnson. How you doing there, Reverend Deborah? I am doing fine. And yes, we had a love fest. Absolutely. Absolutely. So before we get into, you know, some questions, could you tell the audience a little bit about yourself for those who aren't aware of, of your work? Surely. Um, I was raised in the Los Angeles um, area and um, actually have been a friend of uh, Reverend Dr. Michael Bernard Beckwith for nearly most of my life. And I'm one of the founders of Agape um, with him. And I started my own spiritual community in the Santa Cruz area. It's a little south of San Francisco. Uh, we just celebrated 22 years now, uh, and I modeled it after Agape. So I have a, a new thought metaphysical community, and I've been a social justice activist literally all of uh, my life. I've had a consulting firm that has specialized in cultural diversity and I have a real passion about helping to heal divides and bringing us into a consciousness of oneness. Beautiful, beautiful. I remember, you know, having a conversation with you and you were talking about how you helped facilitate the Centers for Spiritual Living merging. It used to be two separate religious science groups. Could you speak a little bit about that, you know, and how you applied the principles that we espouse a new thought to actually help the two organizations become one? Yes. So I'm an independent new thought church, but I actually trained in uh, religious science. Um, And uh, not too long ago, religious science was actually in two different branches. There was Religious Science International, which was a confederation of independent uh, churches. And then there was the United Church of Religious Science, which was a big umbrella that was uh, more like a, like, like, like a franchise. Um, and the two had, had, had the, the one organization had split in two back into the 50s. Um, and... You know, a lot of that split, honestly, was just not using principles, was not understanding, you know, the oneness, a lot of internal kind of 
you know, bickering. So there had been two tracks that had gone along, um, but not really much to do with each other in terms of, of organizational structure or, or, or synergies. So I got approached um, because I do have a consulting firm, as um, I mentioned, and uh, about merging the two together. There had been a vision group, I want to give them credit, for four or five years who had been holding the space, people from both sides. And one of the very first things in terms of the principles um, was I remember the very first meeting I had with the leadership of both, I got this internal message. I get these spirit downloads, um, and some of them are in a series called Letters from the Infinite. And I shared with them that I got this direct word that, they should no longer refer to the process that they were doing as the reunification process because it emphasized the fact that there had been some splintering, that there had been some kind of division, and that they were trying to connect disparate parts. And I heard that they should refer to it as the integration process where you're coming together to make the whole um, I love what Beckwith taught us, that pain pushes until vision pulls, and that reunification kind of spoke of the pain, but the integration was pure vision. And literally every step along the way, we had to use the principles, because that's not an easy process. When you have people who are deeply entrenched in their structures and their resources and their trading programs and everything else, but I kept calling us back, what is that place of oneness and what is divine order? How can we surrender our individual wills and listen to a bigger plan that's calling us? Beautiful, beautiful. And you know, I remember when that work was going on because in Chicago, you know, we have, you know, unity churches, religious science churches. We have or well, now Centers for Spiritual Living. But at the time we had both international and uh, I forgot the other term you used. We have both brands, yeah, and we it. had, obviously, Universal Foundation for Better Living and independent churches. And it was just kind of interesting to see that process play out, especially with people that we knew. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then I kept saying, what's going to happen to my creative thought? Because <laughs> that was a periodical yeah. I used to read. <laughs> but, you know, I think what it speaks to is applying the principles in a relative way. And I think that's what really landed with me at your, from your presentation last year at Panorama of Truth, how to make new thought work on the ground. Because many times it becomes too ethereal and heavenly. You right. know, when people talk about these big ideals and ideas, yet they can't apply them to their everyday life or their, every, you know, everyday yeah. experiences. And I think that what you were, brought to the table last year for me was this is how you can even apply new thought to social justice issues that are happening right now. And that's really where I want to phase into with a few questions. You know, what well, can prompted... I, can I add, can I add yes, go right ahead. Um, and tie it into the social justice issues. So prior to the merging, um, I had been hired by the United Church of Religious Science um, to do visionings, regional visionings around the country, around a potential name change. And 
Religious Science International was doing a similar kind of process. And during that process, it gave the organization, the people in it, the really the deep chance, the deep opportunity to ask those questions about, you know, who are we? What are we about? What does God want from us? How, you know, whom should we serve? What do we look like? And what happened is that the two organizations basically came up with the exact same vision of who they were, of what they were about, and even came up with the same name. So they had been been operating under the same name. So then the question becomes, why the divide? And I, and, and, and I bring that up within the context of the social justice, is that too often we are paying attention to the wrapping, to the dressing, to the outer casing. Are you in my tribe? Do you look like me? Do you smell like me? Do you walk like me? Do you talk like me? Do you love like I do? But are we going underneath it and saying, are we really one? Are we really believing in the same thing, going in the same direction? And I believe that a lot of the divisiveness would stop if we would just pay attention to energy, pay attention to consciousness, and we will find that a lot of times the people that we think are the so-called enemy or against us, there is opportunity to come together and build synergy and broader community. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. So when I first got in a new thought, one of the things that jumped out to me was uh, a perspective that I call cleaning in front of your own house. I, I call this the old new thought point of view. The old new thought point of view, which is I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying this is how I interpreted it, was if the block is dirty, go out in front of your house and clean up in front of your house. And if every person on the block does it, the same thing, the block will be clean. I've come to evolve to a different perspective, which is I'm still going to clean up in front of my house, take care of what I'm responsible for, so I can then help my neighbor clean up in front of their house. And and when you were speaking uh, last year during the Panorama Truth and now, now, it seems as though you, you are a second perspective, at least from my point of view, uh, practitioner of new thought yes i handle your responsibility but also how can i help my neighbor could you elaborate on your thoughts on that uh analogy well yes um i think somewhere we as a new thought movement lost our way if you look at the original roots of the new thought movement those initial founders, those initial practitioners, they were healers. They weren't just sitting there sweeping their own street. Yes. They were <laughs> they were reaching out to people. They might as well have been, you know, having having revivals. They were uh-huh. healing people hundreds and whatnot at the time. People were coming in, in, in droves because they knew that they had an energy, they knew that they, that they had a power and felt it their responsibility to use that power to help shift and change things that were out of alignment and, and to heal. The original New Thought people were Christian mystics. They were Christian mystics. And 
even though I don't have the Pentecostal persuasion that I was, was raised in, I'm still very firmly, from a social political standpoint, kind of like, what would Jesus do? And right. I don't know if the man could have been any plainer. <laughs> you know? Yes. Clothed and yes. naked. <laughs> Visit people in the prison. <laughs> you know, when you do unto the least of me, of these, you know, you have done unto me. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do something. That, that, you know, we used to say in the black church, you so heavenly bound, you ain't no earthly good. Um, right. <laughs> that I don't know how you have a faith without work. I don't know you have a love without compassion. Don't tell me how much you love me. Show me how much you care. And I, I really believe that it is an incumbent upon people of faith to, to reach out, to share, to care. There's a way in which when I say we've lost our way, personally, I think that we've gotten duped into a secular kind of individualistic materialism where it's just about, you know, me and mine. But there's actually nothing individual about consciousness. There's right. only consciousness. There's your individual application of the consciousness. Um, but consciousness is collective. And any time you do anything, you are impacting everything. So mm -hmm. it'd be like, like not, not assuming responsibility for your secondhand smoke. Um, right. We're all impacting each other, and it's important that we, 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 you know, show some love. Absolutely, absolutely. I want to give people an opportunity to call in, uh, Reverend Deborah. So if you want to call in and ask the Reverend Deborah Johnson a, a question or make a comment, you can call in at 816-251-3555, 816-251-3555. So now I'm going to go on to an, uh, uh, another question, and I, what I really want to drill down on is is this concept of Jesus and new thought. Because one of the things that you mentioned earlier was that Jesus, I mean, that early new thought folks were Christian mystics, Christian metaphysicians, and they found a way to take the, in my opinion, the traditions of their faith, and and pull the spiritual principles, the mysticism, the metaphysics out of it and practically apply it in their everyday lives. So uh, have you noticed, at least from your perspective, uh, uh, people pushing away from the Jesus perspective because in New Thought because of Christian fundamentalism? Oh, there's no question about that. Um. And I think it's a mistake. I, I really do, from a sociopolitical standpoint. It's okay to branch out, but you're always going to be in trouble when you run away from and deny your roots. Um, you, you can't disconnect from your roots. These early Christian mystics were trying to figure out what is it that Jesus did so I studied in religious science, which was founded by Ernest Holmes. You can't pick up an Ernest Holmes book and have a page that doesn't have Jesus on it or some biblical reference. Right. Because uh, he, he was all about, he, he was trying to figure out 
the religion of Jesus, not about Jesus, but what is this that Jesus knew? What is this that Jesus practiced? Um, and, yeah, there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of, of guilt. There's a lot of distancing. And I do find it a bit ironic that for all of the wanting to be interfaith and working with other groups, that folks would rather, you know, work with the with the Buddhist group or the Hindu group than, you know, the Baptist down the street, or <laughs> yes, the, yes, you know, the other ones, and and even will make a lot of jokes about things like, well, I'm a recovering Catholic, or or. Uh, you know, making snide remarks or, you know, stuff about Jesus. And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. One, not not only do you misunderstand um, the man and who he is and his practice, but if you don't honor all paths that lead to truth, if you say that you are about that, we, we use that phrase literally in my, my mission statement at Interlight Ministries of honoring right. all paths that lead to truth, but there's a hypocrisy that goes on when you don't, and frankly, a lot of missed opportunity, particularly when it comes to things like cultural diversity and community building. Because like it or not, no matter what it is that people are doing, in the United States, at least, culturally speaking, black folks are Christian. Culturally right. speaking, Latinos are Christian. And you, you can't badmouth Jesus. Right. <laughs> right. They may, right. they may not go to Mass, but you can't be anti-Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Without, without a doubt, I tell people all the time that you cannot escape the Judeo-Christian context of the United States. Oh, no. And, That's and, and I see new thought seeking to do it. And in a funny way, in my opinion— and the, because when we attach to different cultures, which is fine, um, we take on everything of that culture instead of saying, OK, let me right. take the ideas. What Ernest Holmes and Charles Fillmore and Melinda Kramer and, you know, uh, Joe Goldsmith and the Nevilles, what they did was basically that they took their Judeo-Christian context. They took some of the best things from different people, but they didn't try to say, okay, well, now I'm going to dress like a Buddhist, even though I'm not Buddhist. I'm going to dress right. like a Hindu, even though I'm not a Hindu. I have to talk, walk, act, etc. And, you know, I, I see this often, and, I, and I, you know, I often tell people, you know, even in the in, – in, I actually wrote this in the Science of Mind magazine recently. Uh, Reverend Sheila McKeithen posted this on her Facebook page this morning that I don't, that I don't have to uh, think or act something like that, like a first century person to be a 21st century spiritual practitioner. It's not what I wear. It's not how I sit. It's not uh, what's on my head or not on my head. It's what's going on in my mind. That's the key. And Jesus and – and I'm not just making this a pro-Jesus thing or anti-Jesus. I'm just wondering how we got here to where someone who who practiced and taught and through, you know, uh, amazingly was able to get his teachings even through the filter that we have it currently 
to be able to get to the place that we can even contemplate and have this conversation. You know, I, you know what I what I try to tell people is, you know, these concepts of like the presence of God and, you know, infinite potential and, you know, uh, infinite love or whatever. All these things can be taught in the context of the kingdom of God. Because when you realize that he wasn't talking about a place you go after you make your transition, now you can be relative. And then you can have conversations with other people without having to mimic what they do, without having to accept the things that you don't agree with, but at the same time trying to find some common ground. And I'm glad that I came to Christ Universal Temple because the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman had that mentality. She was friends with the Muslim, Muslim mosque. She was friends with the rabbis. She was friends with you know, the Baptist or the Pentecostal or the Catholic priest, et cetera, because she believed in the oneness we talk about. And it does matter. So uh, one of the one one of the things that I also want to drill down on, and we have to take a break in about five minutes, just FYI, we have one break for the show. I, I want to go into a little bit about applying new thought when the dominant you know, human consciousness, the, well, I was going to use race consciousness because that's an old new thought term, but the collective belief system in the United States is so divided right now. You know, uh, you know, we're, we're in a political, political energy that's kind of funny right now. And I think people are wearing it unconsciously. And when it comes to talking new and teaching new thought, how do you address people being or having a feeling of stress when it comes to the political environment right now? Um, I would say that this has become almost a full-time job. Um, I, I, I refer to it as almost like a spiritual mash unit where we are in a, a, a crisis right now. Um, as though, you know, some big catastrophic event like the earthquake has hit or like the floods have, have hit, and it's definitely time to rally. Um, I, I go back to that pain pushes until vision pulls. We create what we think about. You don't get what you pray for. You get what you think about. And... We have to be very careful about where we direct our energy. Pain pushes until vision pulls. So what I try to get people to do is to direct their energy towards what they want, not what they don't want. Kind of like that, 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 that sign that, was, that they had during the last campaign that says, love trumps hate. Right. Whose sign is that? Who is that even supposed to be for? Right. You, you've got the name of the person you don't want to vote for on your front line. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and, yeah. and not the not the name of the person you do support. Right. Right. You know, what sign is on your front line? <laughs> What can people tell by your your Facebook and your social media? Like, what you stand for? Right. 
Otherwise, you're trending and pouring energy into the stuff you don't even want to see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's at the Go ahead. Excuse me. I apologize. No, I'm going to say that's at the most basic level is where is your attention and what are you calling into manifestation? Yeah. What's your yeah. vision? Right. I, I think I think it's a symptom of a greater problem. And I know we don't like to use the word problem in New Thought, but I'm going to use problem because that's I consider it a problem. And the problem is, in general, people don't know what they want. They only know what they're against. They only know what they don't want in their everyday regular lives. So in larger, uh, when you start dealing with things from a city, county, state, national, or world level, Without the ability to critically think and get in tune with what do you want to see expressed, what will end up happening many times is people will become energetically connected to what they don't want, and they're fighting instead of planning to create what they do desire. We have about one minute before our break so we can pick up, but I do want to, again, give the number out if anybody wants to call in. The number is 816 Two five one three five five five. I'm on with the Reverend Deborah L. Johnson and the author of the Sacred. Yes, we got to talk about your book, by the way, uh, because just the story about how that came together was fabulous. And I also want to remind you that this show has a Facebook page. Please go on the Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Like it, write a positive review, and give it a five star rating. That is my request. It is also on iTunes podcast and the Stitcher app. Stitcher is for Android phones. Again, my request is that you write a positive review, give it a five-star rating. All of those things help with the algorithms to put it in front of people. Again, as Reverend Deborah just said, what are you seeking to have demonstrated? On Unity Online Radio, we're seeking to spread this truth so we can focus on what we want to see expressed in life, not what we're fighting against. So be a part of the solution and help us get this information out to the world. So we're going to take our break and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach around the world, we depend on the generosity of listeners like you. If you enjoy the programming, Please make your donation today by going to UnityOnlineRadio.org and click on Donate. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Eric Butterworth, taken from the live lecture, A Course in Practical Metaphysics. Emily Cady, in her Lessons in Truth, makes a statement which I think we need to kind of think about a little bit. 
She says, God is not a being with qualities or attributes, but he is the good itself coming into expression as life, love, power, wisdom, etc. He is the good itself coming into expression as life, love, power, and wisdom. In other words, and this again is, is shattering to some of us, God is not loving. So God is a loving God. God is not loving. Because the moment we talk about God as loving, we've got the anthropomorphic Michelangelo like God sitting up in a crowd somewhere with his heart beaming out and saying, oh, I love you all down there, see you so dearly, as long as you're good. But I'm not going to love you very much if you don't go to church and so forth. God is not loving. God is love. To find out more about Eric Butterworth, visit unity.org. In today's turbulent times, it seems like the bad news never stops. It's easy to feel helpless and overwhelmed. Life's challenges can also hide opportunities for growth, renewal, and healing. Join author, activist, and life coach Carolyn Baker for a transformative workshop April 4th to the 6th at Unity Village in Kansas City, Missouri. Discover how to find meaning in chaos and navigate this journey called life with more love and joy. Go to unity.org and click Retreats and Events for more information. Would you like to show your support for Unity Online Radio? You can donate easily on your phone by texting the word VOICE to 50555 and donate $10 to support Unity Online Radio. It's easy to do, and your offering will help us keep inspirational and positive programming on the air. Remember, just text the word VOICE to 50555 and support your favorite shows on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. If you're wondering what's holding you back from living your passion, it's probably you. Get out of your own way and join Vincent Jenna every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Central Time for Stop Stopping Yourself. Vincent uses his gifts as a psychic medium and spiritual teacher, as well as a master's in social work to help people find real answers to what's causing them pain. Listen live and join the show with your questions and comments right here on unityonlineradio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I'm on I'm interviewing the Reverend Deborah L. Johnson who is the author of the book, The Sacred Yes, Letters from the Infinite. She is also the founding minister and president of Inner Light Ministries, which is an omni-faith outreach ministry in California. We'll talk a little bit more about some of those things a little bit later. Uh, I want to give people an opportunity to call in at 816-251-3555, 816-251-3555. So Reverend Deborah, one of the things we were talking about over the break is new thoughts uh, uh, position that there's something radically right with the human being, that we start off from the position of what's right and seek to understand and integrate that into our lives instead of trying to come up and work towards the wholeness. We recognize that we're already whole. Uh, could you elaborate on that a little bit more? Surely. Um, it basically becomes, what is your world paradigm? Um, what is your fundamental belief? And 
what New Thought says is that we all come from one unitary wholeness, that there's just one power, there's just one presence, there's just one essence. It's not divided against itself. And that everybody is just an, everybody and everything is an expression of it, that there's a divine design. So we believe that you are fundamentally perfect, whole, and complete. That that's your essence, that when we are made in the image and the likeness of the divine, like that's who we are. So we're not trying to compensate for something. There's nothing fundamentally wrong with us. So we come from the standpoint of healing, not fixing. If, Mm. if, If you're broke and there's something wrong with you, then you've got to fix it. And we've been living in a very mechanistic, industrialistic kind of a, 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 a society that has things, you know, parts that have to come together and you intervene and you find what's broken and you try to manipulate that and, like, fix that. But, but no, when, when you come from a place of a wholeness and a place of healing, you're not starting with what's wrong. You're starting with what's right. And, and interestingly enough, though, if you really look at healing modalities, even something as drastic as the Western tradition of a heart transplant, what all of the healing traditions are doing is, is banking on the fact that no matter what the illness is in your body, that there is something that works and trying to stimulate what works. They might have different ideas about how invasive you have to be to to stimulate that. But even something like a heart transplant, the surgeons are betting on the fact that they can take out your heart, take out somebody else's heart, swap hearts, give you somebody else's heart, and that your body will accept somebody else's heart without Skipping a beat. It's just extraordinary. <laughs> we're, we're, yes. we're even even our healing traditions that make it seem like we're trying to attack cancer, if you really look underneath it, it's assuming that there's something right about your body that they're trying to stimulate. Absolutely, absolutely. We have a caller. So we have Sheila on the line. Sheila, are you there? I'm here. Good hey, morning, Sheila. Deborah. How you doing? <laughs> Sheila here. How yep. are you? Fine. Great job. You? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I think you, on uh, your last comment, uh, started to touch on this topic. I'd like for you to just drill down a bit on striking a balance between um, energizing the error or, as you said earlier, having it on your play card on your front line and balance that with speaking the truth, you know, the power of the word, speaking the truth in the face of error, injustice, and the like, that there's a balance there that can be struck because um, my observation and experience has been that there are persons within the New Thought movement who believe that all of the – frontline stuff that is appearing in the world should be completely ignored, completely ignored, and you never say anything. So if the person is dropping down next to you, it's their consciousness. 
And um, that, for me, is um, not being compassionate um, and not being the love that we say that we are. So just talk about striking that balance between, um, you know, the, the, the error that is emerging uh, in, in our faces, um, that which is opposed to truth, and in balancing that with then speaking the truth, um, because, you know, speaking the truth, the word does not return void. I'd like you to just speak to that. Surely. Um, as I said earlier, we forget about collective consciousness. Everything is conscious. When we say everything comes out of consciousness, that doesn't mean that everything that happens to you, all of it, 100%, got there just because of what you think. It's their consciousness, yes, but there is a collective consciousness, and we have to assume responsibility for the collective consciousness, not just the individual consciousness. Mm-hmm. So... You, you you have slavery, for example. If I'm born a slave, that's not just because of my consciousness, but consciousness did create slavery. Consciousness did create slavery. Okay, And there's a responsibility that we have for the collective consciousness, just as it, just as it is that we do for the individual consciousness. This individualistic way of looking at things I think, is the way that the movement has gotten shanghaied mm-hmm. along the way. If I can just break it down for a second, if you don't mind. No, <laughs> if, I don't. If, if, if you look at the historical context, Jesus was a Jew. Mm-hmm. Okay? You had the Greeks who started Christianity, and then the Romans picked it up with the Roman Catholic mm-hmm. Church. Mm-hmm. Then you had the Protestants that came out of the Romans. And mm-hmm. what the Protestants said was that we don't need a pope, we don't need um, a king. It's mm-hmm. the whole individualistic uh, rise of capitalism. We can make it on our own, and, and we don't need all of that. Then you have the New Thought Movement, which is birthed out of Protestantism. Mm-hmm. It's just the, it's the next iteration that's basically saying that we do have a co-creative capacity, but it's born out of this capitalistic, individualistic mindset. Most of the founders of what we call the New Thought Movement were Yankees. They were coming out of the, the, the uh, eastern seaboard with a certain consciousness about wealth, about power, about Mm -hmm. using these principles sometimes for their own individualistic personal gain. Mm -hmm. So they they did a little slight here. Instead of realizing that they were here to serve the principle, instead of realizing that the divine has called you to use everything that you have to do the most perfect will of God, Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. to bring heaven right here on earth, it became... How can I use these principles to further my own agenda? Mm-hmm. And we have gotten more and more and more into that kind of individualistic mentality. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the roots, Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples 
by your uh-huh. love, <laughs> by your love that we were commanded, seek first the kingdom of God and all of its righteousness, and that righteousness really means justice. Seek first the kingdom and all of its justice and all things will be added. But now we're using the principles to get the fame. And maybe, maybe one day, somebody else will bring forth some justice. <laughs> but it's like, yeah. it's like, no, no. We, we, we have missed, we've missed the, the, the point here. Love your yeah. Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Not just the golden rule, which is a behavioral something, do unto others as you would have the others do unto you. This is see the oneness. It comes from that perspective of the oneness. Yes, true. Okay, well, I'll let you guys continue. This was great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Reverend Sheila. You're welcome. Okay. God bless. So I want to make sure that people can get in contact with you, Reverend Deborah. Could you let people know, how, you know, if you have a website or a church website or, you know, et cetera, yes. your book, yes, yes. your material? So my website is DeborahLJohnson.org, and that's the long way, D-E-B-O-R-A-H, Johnson J-O-H-N-S-O-N.org. And you can find out uh, where I'm speaking and what I'm doing uh, from there. My spiritual community is called Inner Light Ministries. And um, innerlightministries.com, uh, our, our website. You can look us up on Facebook, or I have my own personal Facebook, lots of stuff on YouTube. Um, and uh, all of my books, most of my books, uh, except for one, can be found on Amazon or, you know, any of the online, uh, you know, formats and, and, and e-books as well. The Letters from the Infinite series has two volumes. Volume one is The Sacred Yes, and volume two is uh, Your Deepest Intent. And um, I highly, highly recommend those, particularly in this day and age, Your Deepest Intent, because it really speaks to a lot of the social political issues that are going on um, right now. In fact, that, that book is even dedicated to the United States of America because it speaks so much to um, uh, the things that we need to consider and address. Beautiful, beautiful. So I would like to talk a little bit about your work, The Sacred Yes, because you were explaining mm-hmm. to me at Panorama of Truth last year the process of how they came and some of the messages. And we can talk about either book, you know, if the mm-hmm. deepest intent is where you really want to go, then please do so. But I want to just give the audience a feel for how spirit works in through and as the Reverend Deborah L. Johnson. Yeah. Well, um, I get these messages and they come in the full form of a letter punctuation and everything. And what I typically do is record them and then transcribe them. So the series are actually transcriptions of these messages. Um, And um, it really is, 
it really is a a, a, a phenomenal process. Uh, in the intro of the Sacred Yes, I actually speak to how it all started and what goes on and whatnot, you know, in the process. Um, but so many of the concepts that are there, it's it's all really, really practical stuff. If I could take some of the concepts that are near and dear to me that apply to all the things that we're talking about, um, there's a letter called Conflict about a conflict resolution, and it basically explains that differences of opinion don't cause conflict. That's not what conflict. Just because people have don't agree on something doesn't create the conflict. It's polarization around the differences that causes the conflict. Let that sink right. in for a second. It's the othering. It's the dividing the, 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 the line in the sand. And I love the way that it put it. It says that the conflict isn't the differences. The conflict is the polarization. So we can spend all of our time trying to work out these differences, but if the polarization is there, we're going to have the same thing over and over again. That's what we have with this bipartisan uh, uh, political system that we have. This could be, you know, labor and management. If we're already squared off against each other in opposition, <laughs> then it'll right. just be issue after issue after issue, but we'll never come to the oneness because the polarization is built into our relationship. And what I yeah. notice now in my own life, or even if I work with groups, is noticing that sense of the polarization. Because once I get into that, once I get into that, then I know that there's going to be a conflict. And notice the difference. It isn't about understanding you. It isn't about figuring about what all what you're saying. It's changing my heart space. Even if this was something going on with your kids or couples counseling, until you really shift that energy that you're feeling towards them, you can't even begin to see their side. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I can see it. So when yeah. people are working with conflict instead of automatically fighting the position, we should first do as we've been told in our movement, turn within and make yeah. sure that we're right in our own minds when it, it comes to where what what is our intent is our intent to manipulate dominate you know exactly. be a right fighter or yeah. be in the space of healing and transformation right a- another concept that comes up a lot in the series is this idea of the difference between your personal truth and spiritual truth see your 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 personal truth is your narrative our experience isn't What's happened is how we name what's happened. Mm -hmm. That's what it is that creates our experience. And our personal truth is all that stuff about us, our our jobs, our relationships, our money, and blah, 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 blah. But there's something transcendent to that. There's a spiritual truth. There's a wholeness. 
that's bigger and greater than all of that. And too often what we do is we fight for our personal truth. Yeah, I got a right to be angry. You know, I got a right to feel this and that. Yes, this thing that went on and that thing went on. But there's a transcendence place. It doesn't mean that it wipes the other stuff out. But in conflict, do I want my personal truth or do I want the truth? Or like Beckwith taught us, there are at least two sides to every story, and then there's the truth. So I have to be leery a little bit about when that concept of like going in, what am I going in about? Am I going in to dig in my heels on my mm. perspective, or <laughs> am I willing to step back a moment and open it up to spirit and say, open my eyes, reveal to me what I cannot see. I know there's only one of us here. How is this person me and how am I them? What's the healing here? What's really going on? That's the real stuff of our movement. Not just, I hear your side, you hear my side, and let's see how we can compromise. Right. I'm not saying that that's not good, but that's only a step and I would recommend that before you even do that step do the other first <laughs> because yes. it will it, it, it will shift what you see and underneath it all what we're really talking about is a certain level of forgiveness which has become a bad word in many many circles and we forget that the forgiveness is for you it shifts your perspective and one of the concepts I love in this series is that you forgive ahead of time. Hmm. Yes. You don't even wait till something happens. Because unconditional yes. love is being in a state of perpetual forgiveness. And when we don't forgive, we empower whatever it is that we think has, has, has caused the infliction. We make a God out of it because we make a God out of anything that we allow to define us. Right, so right. If we're, willing, if we're willing to practice the unconditional love, if we're willing to go to that place of forgiveness that says, you know what, I am more than this. I don't care what's happened. <laughs> I am more than this and everybody's more than this. I will not let this have the last word. And with that kind yes. of radical oneness with the only thing that is, It'll shift everything. It'll shift your perspective. You'll start praying for other stuff. What you see as the problem will be renamed. Yeah, yeah. You know what's what's interesting as as I'm listening to you share about you know the what I would call the, the, the essence of the New Thought message, which is, you know, Jesus' statement, not my will. Thy will be done. And really getting to that place of being a transparency for spirit. What does that look like? And mm-hmm. how does the other individual show up to show me what's actually happening in my consciousness? You know, and exactly. I, you know <laughs> you know, which is the funniest thing about New Thought when 
I first learned it, you know, that was one of the things I was like, okay. So the the person that's showing up that's irritating me is not is is me. <laughs> Yes, they are. <laughs> that you know, was, I, I, you know, that was that was enlightening, to say the least. Yeah, there, there's a line in the sacred yes that says, "You think people are in the way of your path? They are your path." <laughs> yes, 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 without a doubt. You know, yeah. it's 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 interesting, but I think what you know, books like the Sacred Yes, and I don't have the second book, but I'm gonna order it today. I wasn't aware of the second book. Please. I, you know, I will, because I, I think it's important that these higher and larger conversations happen in our movement. You know, I'm a big believer yeah. in taking care of your own personal responsibilities, getting your own life together, and then you have the space to create something greater and, and it, it, that it expands beyond your own personal sense of self. And I think that, Reverend. yes. Not, 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 not to, to cut you off here, but I, I know the, the program's about to end. When Jesus said how to pray, yeah, it's an hour prayer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Everything about it is collective. Yes. You, you, you don't even ask for something for yourself without asking it for everybody else. You're not even asking for forgiveness for yourself without asking for forgiveness for everybody else. And That's good. It, it's that, it, it's yes, you do your individual part, but not because you are an individual. You do your individual part because you are part of the whole. It's in your responsibility to the whole, not as a separate individual entity. That's where we keep missing it. Is it, yes, you work on your own individual consciousness because the collective consciousness is our individual consciousness supersized. You, you don't get a warring nation no. without warring people. Right. But, you, but your individual consciousness isn't individual. You don't have your own mind. You're just using the mind of God. You don't have your own love. You don't have your own music. So what we're saying is let's clean up how we're using the only thing that is so that the way that each of us is using it, it's cleansed and purified Because we're all impacting each other. That's good. But That's good. The idea that somehow that we are separate, distinct entities, this is problematic. <laughs> because we're not. No, I, I, I totally get it. It reminds me of a statement that uh, Johnny Coleman used to always say, you know, I'm an idea walking around in the mind of God. And she would say, you know, you don't have, you know, you know, you don't have a mind. There's only one mind. You have awareness in the one mind. You know, these are just fundamental statements. And, and that's a good reminder. And I thank you for that, because one of the things that and we have like 30 seconds left, so I'm going to have to cut the stop the show. And we just I might have to invite you back because this conversation is just too good. 
you know, it, it's, it's just a reminder of being in the fundamentals. And, yes. you know, and, and that's why your voice is important because you're a reminder. You, you are a person who's ringing the bell, like at the end of the school days when Lawrence yes. Fishburne was saying, wake up, yes. wake up. Yes. That's necessary. We have to continually that's, that's ring the bell and say, yes. wake up. Because the things that you think are dividing us and the things you think are important aren't important. Wake up. Mm-hmm. Because yes. spirit is seeking to do a new thing through you, if you will allow yes. it. So we're going to have to wrap up because I have about 15 <laughs> seconds. Thank you so much okay. for coming on the show. Thank you. It's my you, pleasure, pleasure. You know, uh, I hope to see you soon in person. And we've got to work that out. And God bless okay. you. And for listeners, we'll be back with you next week with Truth Transforms. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.